0: Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra, and me, Father David Pelican, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast, and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome everyone to another edition of Men of the Hearts podcast. Our last episode was a little bit different. We dove into the meaning of the Mass and what it was like to celebrate or what it is like to celebrate a Mass Mm -hmm. as a priest. We're going back to our normal format now for this episode, and we have on a very special guest from the Archdiocese of Detroit. He has been in many different assignments, including being a vocation director at one point. So welcome, Father Tim Burney, to the podcast. Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
1: It's Thank great you, to have uh, you for inviting me to be part of the, the conversation.
0: It's our honor to have you here today. Father David, the trusted co-host, always wonderful to have you in the studio. How are you doing today? Very well, very well, doing very well. Uh, good to be with you.
2: Good to be with uh, Father Tim Bernie. I still want to call him Father Bernie. He was, uh, was the vocations director when I uh, applied to seminary and brought me in, what, nine years ago now? You're aging um, me now, so, Father. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Young at heart, but Nine yes, good years. to be with you both. Yes, yeah. awesome, Father Tim. Before we get into your vocation story, what has been a blessing that's been going on in your life for the past month?
1: Well, uh, I think I'd like to go back a little further. Um in okay. a uh, past month, it, it it fits into your question because the announcement of the blessing happened just within the last month. But my understanding of it, or my knowledge of the the blessing actually preceded this uh, announcement by several months. And uh, here at St. Francis Cabrini, where I'm presently assigned, uh, we have a high school and a grade school, much like Father David uh, at Divine Child. it has got uh, high school, grade school, and there's a, a, a lot of activity that you can imagine goes on with uh, parishes that have two schools. And uh, at St. Francis Cabrini, we're uh, constantly trying to update and modernize uh, our facilities and to bring new and innovative programs to our uh, students and our faculty and our families that are interested in our school. And uh, one of the challenges, as it is for everybody, is uh, how do you pay for all that, right? How, mm-hmm. how, do, you, how do you figure out a way to fund uh, a new program or uh, clean up a... Uh, a space and and make it fresh and new and modern. Sell cookies and, after mass or do car wash yeah, right? And, uh, like so <laughs> many cookies you can sell. A trust me, cookies. Yeah, but uh, so that, that that's just been a challenge, and it, it's true in every parish. Um, we have some some uh, debt here, so that's made it more of a challenge for us. And uh, not that I was actively praying for this blessing to occur, but. I think it kind of um, was present uh, in all the prayer that I've had since being assigned here, and uh, so several months ago, I was told that uh, we were going to be um, receiving some money in a in a will of a prisoner who had passed away, and they said mm-hmm. it would be a substantial amount, and so I'm thinking in the maybe hundred thousand dollar range. I thought that sounded mm-hmm. substantial enough to me, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't dare ask. Uh, uh, we hadn't even had the funeral yet for this this woman, this individual. And so uh, I was just very grateful to hear that something might be coming our way. So the the funeral uh, occurred, and it was a very small funeral. She, she was uh, never married. Her and her husband were devout uh, parishioners here and uh, never had any children sorry she, she was married but had no children and um, uh, so she she had outlasted her her husband by by several years uh, in this life and so there weren't many people present for the funeral and um but it was a beautiful funeral and uh, the more i heard about this woman the more um i realized what a beautiful soul she really was well the funeral uh uh uh, got uh, was celebrated, and mm-hmm. um, about a month later, I was told that the substantial amount was actually one point three million dollars. Wow! That they had left. Wow! Yeah, right. It's very uh, substantial. It's very substantial. I, I would have used a different word when I heard <laughs> "substantial," right? <laughs> uh, amazing, uh, stupendous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was uh, just a real true gift because uh, it's great to, to have have money. Obviously, we, we need the money in order to make the engine of the church work. But what I was more, just as much struck with was just the generosity of of this woman and mm-hmm. her husband. Uh, they had no children to call their own, and the money that they left for the parish was specifically for the school. Mm. And they they now have all these children whose lives they're going to be touching mm. Yeah. by virtue yep. of their very generous donation. And there's so many places and so many uh, organizations within and without the church that they could have left this money to. But they left it to to St. Francis Cabrini uh, School, which educates children from pre-kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was just a, an incredible blessing. Uh, it was very exciting to be able to announce. Uh, oftentimes, most times, I'm talking about the money we don't have, and so, in the announcement, I said, uh, for once, I get to talk about the money we do have and all the many ways in which that blessing is going to be multiplied uh, because of the investment it'll allow us to do in our children. Yeah. And that's the real blessing, right? Um, I wish we never had to talk about money. I wish we didn't have to wait for anybody to leave us anything in a will. But uh, it's the world we live in. And mm-hmm. because of the generosity of, of this, this person, Dolores King is her name, um, we're going to be able to do some amazing things for our our students and our faculty and our parish. So that is my blessing. It's been, yeah. been going on for many months, but uh, I finally may be able to talk about
0: it uh, to any and all. Yeah, I mean, the generosity of the people of God, and like you said, that's her family. Those are her kids, and the education that they're going to get at your school, learning about God and what they're going to do in the world is just amazing think of the many diamonds in the crown that she's going to wear in heaven is just amazing so yeah thanks for sharing that with me sure um with us yeah um i I wanted to bring up something because i thought it was really interesting is they might i mean you must be loved in the school of course and, and in the parish um your uh humor probably comes out a lot and everything like that i think you have a great sense of humor and when i first saw it it was amazing Uh, we were supposed to have uh, the Archbishop Gala. We had a celebrity that was coming to it and they kind of canceled last minute and they didn't know who to fill in and not fill in. And you're the one who stepped up into that uh, gala that one year. And um, it was like a comedy skit between you and the Archbishop. I never laughed as hard as I did before in my life. (laughs) It was as if you guys rehearsed it. I mean, like. How did you know you were okay to go in that direction with the Archbishop and just riff off each other like that? It was amazing <laughs>
2: he he knew because that's what he does at uh the seminarian gatherings too <laughs> <laughs> well i'm
1: the I'm the court jester to the uh to the archbishop so uh i you know the archbishop's known me since I was eighteen uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I entered the seminary in 18 year old kid right out of high school lifers uh, father david just like and father I david both, yeah both lifers mm-hmm. yeah um, and so, uh, I just have always had, um, I guess that familiarity with him and comfortable, um, conversation, um, attitude, if that's the right way to, to phrase it. And we really didn't plan that. Uh, I, I just, <laughs> I just, uh, kind of had my little shtick that I put together and uh, he really stole the show yeah. because, uh, People were expecting something from the MC, but they weren't expecting it from from the Archbishop. Yeah, and I think what really made that 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 was the first time I did it. Uh, I think you're referring to. Mm-hmm. I've, I've hosted it on a few occasions, but because the first one was really the best.
0: Yeah, because of that, though, because you just had such a yeah. good rapport with him. Yeah,
1: but it's hard for lightning to strike twice. Uh, part of what made that so much fun was. Just the unexpectedness of it all, yeah, and Mm -hmm. and it wasn't planned. It really wasn't. Uh, Bishop Flores, who was with us at the time in the Archdiocese of Detroit, if you remember, he he kind of doubled down as well. Yeah, he was riffing Uh, on that because he was a
0: vocation director as well, and he wanted mm -hmm. to win the car that they were auctioning. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, that was my shtick. It was all about the car and how I wanted the car as the vocation director,
1: and and then he got up and talked about how he actually owned a car (laughs) similar (laughs) to the one we were auctioning when he was uh, young and. So it, uh, it, you're right. It all just kind of came together like magic, huh?
0: Holy Spirit, good I should see, say. Yeah, it was good to see the Archbishop like that as well. I mean, I think sometimes people get this false impression that you know he's he's quiet or 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 just a thinking kind of person, and uh, he knows how to joke around like the rest of us. And he does. A fu- he's a does. funny guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of funny guys, we got Father David as well here. Uh, I heard you, uh, your blessing knows you built a snowman in the parking lot. <laughs> a big one, A big old <laughs> snow fort. Yes. Yeah, no. Uh, well, we
2: did this last year too, actually. Uh, but back by popular demand, we built uh, a chapel out of snow and I can't take much credit for it. Um, I, I pretty much just supervised and the kids really did all the work. Uh, the kids from the schools, both elementary and high school. Um, but we got this idea from, uh, one of the chapels up North that they, they do this up at Michigan tech Mm -hmm. and, uh, we kind of stole it last year and and repeated it this year. Um, now the one up North is, uh, is still standing, going strong. Ours melted within the week. Mm -hmm. You know, we had that 50 degree day and it's just, it was gone. Uh, but it was, it was, it's always cool to see all of, uh, just kind of the kids getting together, the excitement they have that we're building this massive thing. They slowly see it kind of progress, progress, and then uh, get to celebrate mass there uh, with them. Uh, it was a chilly night, but we still had uh, a good crowd. Came out uh, for the mass, and uh, we put all the candles
0: up. It was dark, so it was re- looked really nice. That was quite amazing too. Like you had steps to like go up and proclaim the gospel and everything like that. Well, we had we had to do something different this year than
2: last year, and that was our that was our addition is we had an elevated pulpit that you had to, uh, I had to walk up to to read the readings so
0: yeah if you listened to before we know that uh, father david knows how to work with uh wood and power tools and different things like that and he's been installing some stuff here at the house we uh, got some stained glass window that he was putting in and he was teaching me the difference between a hammer drill and a torque drill is that correct mm-hmm. is that what you call the torque
2: drill? yeah just or just a regular drill <laughs> and a hammer drill yeah we uh the whole rectory here is built uh very solidly of brick and concrete so trying to anchor anything you gotta you gotta get out the hammer drill and the, the the tapcom bits and it's good to know, Father
0: Craig. I I uh, could use the David's <laughs> services. Uh oh. Yeah, we, we have a lot we call, of brick and so. uh,
1: concrete here as well. Well, he's I for
0: hire. I'll... You just call him up and he'll come out. <laughs> yeah. All right. No jobs father. too big. No jobs too job's small. Too small. That's right. <laughs> call father, father and Father. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> he does it all. You know it. Okay. Yeah. For me, uh, what's what's new for me? Um. So like last time I I got COVID right. So what's new for me is um I got. Uh, my appendix just wanted to say, hey, I want it to come out. Um, so um, a couple weeks ago, um, I ended up in the hospital, and the doctor looked at me and said, your appendix needs to come out. And I thought mm-hmm. that that doesn't happen when you're in your 40s, but I guess it still does. <laughs> so the blessing in that, uh, as, as we talked about before, is just relying on God. And I was just talking to someone earlier about how, um, you know, it's a beautiful saying that when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, and I guess you have to live it out sometimes to really believe it. And uh, just to know that God took care of me. um, Many people were praying for me. Um, I make novenas to St. Anthony, my patron saint, also St. Rita, who uh, was ordained on her feast day. So those are two favorite saints of mine, and I encourage people to pray to them. They'll always help out. And then also uh, the Archangel Raphael, who's uh, also known for uh, helping out with those illnesses and things like that. So I just want to Put that out there in the airwaves knowing that uh, those are some great uh great saints and angels to be praying uh two and four with uh illnesses and such
1: we able to uh get a piece of that appendix as a future relic perhaps uh, <laughs> <thing>. yeah <laughs> <Set that> aside, <laughs> you know when yeah, the, cause, uh, the cause is uh undergone uh
0: the doctors had some choice words of what it looked like so i don't think we wanted to save it <laughs> all right, all right. We'll, we'll wait for something else yeah <laughs> You you mentioned uh, you mentioned St. Rita, Father
2: Craig. I think that's, uh, isn't that St. Rita's where the stained glass we hung in the chapel? Isn't that where that came from?
0: It is. Uh, it is. Yeah. I love St. Rita. She's such a beautiful saint. Um, that's where my mother went to high school or all of her school at St. Rita Parish. Um, oh, cool. And then funny, my first assignment, uh, that crucifix was uh, transferred over to St. Ephraim as my first pastorate and uh it was just wonderful to be like praying mass underneath the crucifix and where my parents got married and having Mm. saint rita also be the day i was ordained it's just that's just too it's it's not a coincidence you know god's working there so Mm. just god reminding us that he's with us and he gives us those saints and angels to to be with us as well amen 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 well
2: that was uh that was an interesting blessing to share father craig if you had any other uh other fun things or blessings going on uh, since we talked last?
0: You know, what was really good is we just got done with another discernment weekend. We had a number of Detroit Mm -hmm. guys come out and um, I think what, really is the blessing coming to a discernment weekend, if you're a young man interested, or even an older man interested in uh, coming to see what seminary is like, is just to be with the seminarians. You know, for four days, you get to do what the seminarians are doing. You know, you'll pray with them, you'll go to mass, you'll eat lunch Mm -hmm. and dinner with them, but also um, they had a basketball game going on, the college versus the the theology, and it was a lot of fun. I thought it would be really fun myself to watch, but I mean, you know, they're like, they're trash talking. Get into and, it, yeah. Yeah, they oh, have yeah. trombones and trumpets and noise makers, yep. and you know, Who won? Just, uh, Who won the game? college won. The but college, it, oh, yeah, no. it didn't reflect like what the game was like. Cause theology was up the whole time, but then they lost it in overtime to college. Um, oh, wow, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I bet fun. it was uh, one of the first games they
1: played in a long time because of COVID. They probably haven't been doing their regular uh, basketball schedule because a lot of people are surprised. I always Ooh. joke. Uh, I tell people I played college basketball. Yeah. because when I was, uh, <laughs> when I was a senior, yeah. I played in the basketball team and. Uh, As we all know, it's more of an intramural uh, uh, team than it is uh, a real uh, uh, division team for colleges. But it is a college nonetheless, right? Fully accredited. Right. That's right. Uh, But I don't think they've been doing any games.
0: Uh, You know, we usually have like 10, 12 games a season. Yeah, which is really good for guys to know. I mean, if you really love doing sports, I mean, there's so many opportunities for sports at the seminary. If it be pick up basketball, ultimate frisbee outside, we have there's a track outside, there's racquetball courts, weight machines, and and all that other different type of stuff. They actually have a hockey team as well. Um, but they mm-hmm. also have that basketball team. Not only do they play like different uh people from around the area, one of them is um is uh uh, they play the FBI. I think someone was, you know, friends with the FBI. Well, it's
1: actually a relative of one of our priests, Father Doug Bignall. That's right. His brother, Mark, works with the FBI and all the way back since 1988, right, the year before I entered the seminary, they have consistently played every year against the seminarians outside of things like COVID uh, or worldwide pandemics, but they've been pretty consistent. My family actually has
2: played. Yeah, we used to play the birdies. And yeah. used to bring in some, some boyfriend of a cousin or something who played college ball. We didn't well, think that was quite fair. I've got 20 <laughs> nieces and nephews,
1: so uh, they are indirectly family. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we stopped uh, after about 28 years. Uh, no, we, we actually had our 30th year, I think. And then sure. uh, it was time to call it quits. Um, too many of the Bernies think uh, basketball's a hockey game. So <laughs> I, I decided, uh, yeah, time before, uh, we, uh, when you bring up basketball, it reminds me when I was, uh, uh I attended my discernment weekend as a senior, uh, I was a, a brother ice high school. I was a senior and it was 1988. And, uh, I was, uh, it was in January and it was my first exposure to the fact that the, the, uh, seminary had a basketball team. I, mm-hmm. I just was amazed by that. You know, I thought, oh, they, they actually play sports here. Mm-hmm. You know, back then we we weren't uh, googling everything. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. my my experience of understanding what seminary was was to get a book out of our library, and mm-hmm. uh, we don't even have a library at Cabrini High anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything's done by computer, oh, yeah, digital. Yeah. yeah. And I remember being at the game, and I remember Father Boyer, who's now Bishop Boyer. He was a young priest, and uh, as you guys remember when you're young and you're not in the seminary, you don't know a lot of priests. I mean, I knew my parish priests. That was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. some neighboring pastors that that we interacted with. And all the priests I knew were older, great men, very holy men. But I didn't see a young priest ever that I recalled as a young man. And when I entered the seminary, or when I visited on discernment weekend, there's all these young priests uh, on the faculty, mm-hmm. Father Vigneron, Bishop Boyer, and uh and others and I remember being at the basketball game and Bishop Boyer, now Bishop Boyer, Bishop Lansing, you guys know he he has a a funny bone as well and likes to have fun and he was having a grand old time you know yelling and cheering at the game. And I remember being so um enamored with this young priest having fun and and uh getting into the spirit of the game and I kept trying to engage him, and I tease him all the time because he basically ignored me. <laughs> and I, I kept like trying to get like, away, talk me, to him, like, uh, "Hey," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm watching the game. Leave me alone, kid." And, uh, <laughs> And so I tease him about that all the time. Like, yeah, you're—it's amazing I even entered the seminary because you completely ignored me when I was at the seminary uh, during one of the basketball games. But he he claims to have no memory of it, but I think yeah. he, he remembers it.
0: Well, it's funny because like I was just talking to another priest who said the best thing that happened to him and the discernment weekend was playing soccer. Mm. He just felt mm-hmm. like these are real people, and I could yeah. join the priesthood because of this, and apply to the seminary because of it. So, yeah. and I told my story before about the miracle that happened at uh, the basketball game with uh, with me as well. So it's kind of funny how the Lord works in in these small ways, but you know, there's a reason for it, right? <laughs>
1: there
0: yeah. is. I, I just to echo that on my uh, discernment weekend as well. It was,
2: um, I think it was very eye opening just to see like uh the seminarians and the priests both just kind of the humanity of like it's almost like oh i could see myself doing this right they're not just praying all the time like they know how to like have fun and relax and such as well uh father bernie might remember uh see i want to call you father bernie especially when i'm talking about that time
0: Uh, (laughs) father tim (laughs) might
2: uh remember um used to tease me that i was just coming for the free food after a certain point because i came to so many of those uh events that one summer Uh, (laughs) uh,
1: but but no, oh, I remember.
2: I remember. You didn't have a beard back then. No, no. <laughs>
1: yeah. he Probably couldn't have grown boy. one if
2: I tried. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. And I always loved it when you'd see uh, young men, uh, middle-aged, any, any any interested person, uh, for that matter, who would come on the discernment sermon events. Uh, Father Craig, I'm sure you'll testify to this that, that you put a lot of time and energy into these, and you uh, you know that they'll have a they'll be of benefit. Uh, if there's men there to experience it and uh, so when you see people who are coming back uh, and and eagerly attending the the programs that you're putting together it's very um, uh, supportive of the ministry and and it uh, gives a a lot of uh, life to 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 the ministry of being a vocation
0: director as you know which can be very challenging at times yeah. I mean, even just watching the guys who came to the discernment weekend kind of grow in friendship and talk about things, it's so helpful for them to have someone else in their same situation. And that's why we have our discernment group. Uh, we meet monthly and just kind of have fellowship with each other and, and talk to like-minded guys who are going through the same thing. So check our website and check out when the next discernment group is here. You know, just give me a call and we'll talk about it and uh, get you invited to that.
1: How often well do those meet, Father Craig? Your discernment. Well,
0: we we've been doing monthly. Um, I'd like to start some more, especially for maybe some high school schoolers mm-hmm. as well. So maybe maybe at your parish or or another sure. parish throughout uh, the archdiocese, in which high school kids can come together and maybe do a discernment group would be really great as well. So stay tuned for next year and what we're going to add in. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it'd be a little. Hopefully, it'd be easier for you with uh, things getting better, and hopefully hopefully that
0: continues uh, with the uh, pandemic. Amen to that. So, Father Tom, why don't you, uh, however you want to tell it, tell us your vocation story and how you uh, became to be a priest, how God worked in your life, and anything you want to share with us?
1: Sure, I uh, would often tell the story that. Uh, I'm one of eight kids, so I always say, "Well, my parents just threw me out of the house, and and the seminary <laughs> took me in." That was always my quick. Know answer. what you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Father David, you're you're uh, almost similar, right? Yep. Uh, but I was I was uh, a young kid uh, growing up in a big big family, and uh, I was uh, our our uh, family practiced their faith. We were regular churchgoers. Mom and Dad were both involved uh, in the church. My mom um, was in charge of, uh, started with a a friend of hers, a funeral ministry, bereavement ministry for um, uh, luncheons after funerals. She was a lunch mother uh, in the uh, cafeteria at school. I I went to my parish grade school, Lady Queen of Martyrs. And uh, so she was very much uh, a presence. And my dad was an usher and uh, was in the dad's club. And so parish life for us, for me growing up, and I would say all my siblings would would echo the same, uh, was just like home to us. It it, it was a second home. And it it was a it was familiar territory. And so that was the environment I grew up in. And uh, being Catholic was something I was as proud of being as I am Irish, Uh, my Irish background and heritage. And it was just, it was part of the DNA. And growing up, uh, I always had a a respect for priests and, and religious. When I was a kid, we still had some nuns in our school, Sisters of Charity. And so I was exposed to to religious women. Um, when I went on to high school at Brother Ice High School, uh, the Christian Brothers of Ireland um, were the folks who staffed that school. Um, so there was many brothers in the school there. So I was exposed to religious men, religious women, parish priests. Um, and we had excellent priests at our parish, uh, our Lady of Queen of Martyrs, uh, very dedicated, faith-filled men, um, very uh, approachable men. And with all of that, I never saw myself as a priest. Uh, I always felt like I was going to be uh, involved in the church. I knew that uh, church and practicing my faith uh, in a a very— public way, you know, not just uh, on Sundays, um, that that was going to be part of my future. Uh, I was going to have a big family, just like the one I grew up in, and I was going to be a member of the dad's club, and I was going to be an usher, and I was going to hopefully have my wife take care of the uh, uh, funeral luncheons and all the other ways in which you can be involved in in a parish. Hmm. And it wasn't until I was a senior in high school, and I had to do a book report on the priesthood in my religion class. And uh, like I said earlier, uh, the only way to do that back then was an encyclopedia or uh, a library book. I went to the card catalog, <laughs> do a decimal system. You know, we always remember it well. And I took out a book, a couple of books, if I remember correctly, on uh, the priesthood. And I think that was the first time I really saw uh, young priests. Uh, they were seminarians, I, I suspect. But in some of the books and the pictures, they showed men Mm. out uh, playing sports. Uh, They talked about priests out walking their dog. Um, Talked about all the different ways in which uh, a man lives within the priesthood. And it really got my my mind uh, moving and my heart uh, pumping a little bit more, thinking, hey, these are normal guys. Uh, They're doing, quote, unquote, normal things. And I just never saw myself as a priest because I didn't think I was good enough, holy enough, smart enough. And then I'm seeing all of these images and reading a little bit about it in these books. So it it began something in me. And I do remember very profoundly one day in the library, um, I'm reading one of the books i would gotten out. I, I think I had them out for a week or two to get this report done. And I had this very profound feeling sitting in one of the uh, chairs in the library um, that I should be one of them. You know, mm-hmm. we call that a calling, right? That, that experience of when did you feel the calling? And I kind of felt like I levitated off my, off my chair of sorts. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it now, when people have asked often, how did you know? And I always say, well, how did you know that this was the right person to marry? And uh, yeah. usually it's that euphoric moment where you have this extreme rush of excitement and terror kind of at the same time, mm-hmm. because it's such a new invigorating feeling. And that's the way I felt. Uh, like I said, I felt like I kind of was levitating, floating off my chair at this mm-hmm. this message, this revelation, this call that I, I I had received. And it wasn't something obviously audible. I didn't look around like, where did that voice come from? I just, I sensed it. It, it came with from within. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of started the ball rolling. Uh, I had no clue what to do with it all. I was nervous, afraid to talk about it. I mm-hmm. never talked about wanting to be a priest at home. I knew my parents wouldn't be upset or uh, angry or anything. I just didn't know how to articulate. I didn't know what words to use. Right. I just had this feeling. So uh, I had all the books in my room, and my dad one day had mentioned... But you don't have your own room, right? Like growing up, I think everybody well, four did brothers? I because I'm number six wow. out of the eight. Oh, okay. And okay. as older brothers would go off to college, younger brothers would take over their rooms. So <laughs> I had my own room while they were at college. Okay. And then when they came home for vacation, uh, I went back to the sharing with five other people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I did have my own room at that time. Cause I was a senior in high school at that point. And, uh, most of my older siblings were, were off at college, if not already out of college. And, uh, so he saw all the books sitting in the, in the room and being a good dad thinking, "Uh Oh, late fees, I'm not paying this mm. kid's late fees. He, he asked me one day, he said, Tim, what's with all those books on your desk in your room? And, uh, of course, nowadays we'd say, what were you doing in my room? I didn't even think about it because <laughs> mom and dad did what they wanted when we were kids. And uh, I just said, oh, well, I'm doing a book report on the priesthood. And he said, well, I've seen them in there for several weeks. Uh, they're not late, are they? And I was like, uh, I started stumbling around. And he said, why do you still have them if you already finished the paper? And then I said, well, uh, I'm kind of thinking. I am uh, you know, I just was stumbling all over the place. And finally, I just blurted it out. And uh, he was pretty excited, uh, quiet at first, I think, because he was trying to process it all. I'm sure in the back of my dad's mind, he thought uh, it would be a nice thing for one of his seven boys to, to enter the seminary. Only one sister. The rest of us are all boys. <laughs> and uh, so he was the one who actually... Uh, encouraged me to go on the discernment weekend. Uh, Being a teenager, I didn't necessarily read the bulletin uh, as studiously as perhaps I should have. But in the bulletin at the parish, there was ads for discernment weekends at Sacred Heart Seminary. And he said to me, you know, I think you should look into this if this is something you're still really thinking that God might want you to do with your life and uh again back then i couldn't just uh, email it i had to actually pick up the phone and dial Hmm. the number and talk to a human being and i was terrified and uh i was in my room and i just i wasn't sure what questions they were going to ask or what all uh they were going to require of me to attend this weekend but couldn't have been nicer couldn't have been more pleasant couldn't have been more exciting inviting so i register myself for the discernment weekend.
0: Who was the and vocation
1: director at the time? That was uh, Father Larry Deloney, who's okay. uh, now a retired priest, mm-hmm. uh, but he was the vocation director at that time. And Marilyn was his secretary. I can't remember her last name now, but she, uh, she couldn't have been a nicer lady, nicer um, person in that office. Mm-hmm. And I attended the weekend, and um, the building looked a lot different back then. Uh, they hadn't mm-hmm. done all the work on it yet. They hadn't uh, done Ooh. all the renovations. It was a very dark building. Uh, they hadn't sandblasted the entire exterior of it like, like it's been, so it's a little brighter looking now. Mm-hmm. All the windows were the dark green. There was no lighting oh, wow. on the building. Uh, the parking lot was a quarter of the size of what it is now. So it was kind of intimidating, <laughs> I have to admit. It, <laughs> it still is. is. It is, but it, it was even is. more back then. It kind of looked like a, a scary place to be cuz I got dropped off at night mm. by my dad. Uh I think my mom came too. I think it was both of them dropped me off. And I wouldn't let them go with me, you know, cuz I was a man. I was 18. <laughs> you know? I don't need my mom and daddy to bring me in, you know. And so I I went in just uh very timidly and uh met the vocation director at the front door, much like we do nowadays, same same mm-hmm. process. Showed me my room. And uh Boy, it was a great experience. Uh, All those things that you, I think you mentioned, Father Craig, maybe you too, Father Dave, uh, just how when you're there and you experience what the community is really like and what the men are really like and the program is really like, uh, you just, there's no no way to replicate that until you're there and experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just soaked it all in like a sponge. And I remember on the way home, parents came to uh, Mass on Sunday and then uh, we would go home and I was in the back seat, mom and dad in the front seat. And they said, well, you got a lot to think about now. And uh, I said, no, I don't think I do. I said, uh, this is where I'm going. Hmm. And wow. I'd already applied just to like Michigan that. State. Yeah. Well, again, I was a senior. It was it was mm-hmm. uh, January. You're, you're applying to colleges at that point. I had applied to four other colleges. Many of my siblings went to Michigan State. I, all long I thought I was going to go there just like they did. And I got accepted. But uh, on the way home, I said, "No, no, this is where I'm going." Hmm. And I knew my mom was a little nervous. she She was a convert, so she didn't grow up Catholic hmm. uh, like my dad did. And so I I could sense she was a little just, you know, don't don't make any too too rash decision here, you're only eighteen, mm-hmm. you know, take take it slow. but once once they got to know the place better and uh, kind of heard me talk about why I felt like it was the right place for me at that time. Uh, any any hesitation or worry they had quickly dissipated. And next thing I knew I was moving in. Yeah. Moving in. Ground floor of the uh the oh, yes. dorm. The garden level. That's <laughs> where I was my first 18. year as well. We, we didn't call it that when I was there. Oh. <laughs> uh, there there was three levels of the building, uh the dorm. And uh the 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 ground floor is is like a basement almost right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh they refer Essentially to as, it is
1: yeah. Yeah they refer cuz in my time the seniors were all in the top floor and the oh, juniors okay. and the sophomores were on the main floor and the freshmen were all on the lower <laughs> floor yep. so it was reverently referred to as heaven purgatory <laughs> and I'll let you fill in the, the, the uh-huh, list. Uh-huh. so we'd often be told by students and faculty alike to go to
0: meaning go to the hall. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully don't
1: call uh-huh. that anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. that's
0: funny Yeah, that's amazing. So uh, just to back up a little bit, um, what were you, I mean, I get that you were a good Catholic and you were going to Mass on the weekends and your family was involved, and that sort of kind of helps it, like, when you're really connected to your parish. I mean, that does help it. But what was going on in your life that when you started that book report about the priesthood that you were able to receive that gift from God that calling from God in, in a charitable way that made you excited like i mean were you reading anything else at the time were you praying about lord what do you want me to do in my life as you were applying to these colleges and things like that like what was the general overall spirit that you had at that at that time i don't know that i'd give myself the adjective of good catholic as an 18 <laughs> year old but uh,
1: i was uh trying to be a good catholic but i i honestly can't sp- can't point to any specific thing i was doing and that that was a lot of the reasons why i was so nervous about entering the seminary because i honestly did not think i i was wor- worthy of of this from the little i knew about it and understood about it because i wasn't someone who would spend long hours in prayer um in the chapel or at home certainly prayer was a part of my life but but not a a regular routine uh, like we have, like I would say, I have now, and like I learned to have as a seminarian. So mm-hmm. all I knew was that uh, my family lived a, a good life and 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 were very involved in the life of the church. That when I was there, I felt um, God's presence. Um, I don't know that I could have gotten up in front of people and given any kind of testimony to that and that effect, but I knew what I felt. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that a eighteen year old kid who isn't Uber focused on on um what do I want to do with my life? Um, I, I I knew what I was feeling and sensing. And I think that's really the only way I can answer that question is that it wasn't any one particular thing I did. And I really give it, I really give all of the accolades or the credit to my teachers, my parents, my grandmother, who is a very devout Catholic woman on my dad's side, because my mom's uh, parents were were both not Catholic, good, very good people, mm-hmm. but they they weren't part of the Catholic world. Um, and my my grandfather had passed away uh, early in life, so I never met him my, on my dad's side. But it was just it was like by osmosis, if you will. It was just being mm-hmm. in that environment, knowing that that church and faith is something important and should be important in in people's lives, and then respecting these priests. I guess one one. Of, one occasion I do remember I was in high school and we were in the lunchroom and some of uh, my classmates were kind of bellyaching about the brothers, some of the brothers who were on the staff there and teaching. And I remember having a revelation at that point that these men had uh, devoted their entire lives to trying to educate us uh, kind of snotty little teenagers Mm -hmm. who, (laughs) uh, you know, weren't appreciating things they did. And I don't know where that came from. I remember uh, Cause some of the things they were saying weren't wrong about uh, a couple of these brothers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I remember, I just kind of, kind of said, yeah, but you know, they've given their whole lives to to trying to make us better people to, to raise uh, help, help us be formed into um, I'm not sure I, I said it in the way I'm saying it now, but <laughs> something to this effect. Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of thinking like, where'd that come from? Yeah. And that was before, my uh experience of uh feeling the call in the in the in the library so something was definitely working within me i just was either too pigheaded to uh to, to notice it or uh too young or immature to to realize it
0: it's interesting cuz you know father david came in the seminary just like you and and father david can't really recall one specific major moment, right, Father David? There wasn't there any no, it, like, I mean there were there anything. were a couple moments along the way, I'd
2: say, where it's some sort of like uh like an affirmation.
0: Yeah, an affirmation, I, yeah, process, an affirmation right? for sure. Yeah. There
2: were a lot of those along the way. Um, but I don't know if I can point to like one specific moment where it was like one and done, you know. I mean it started earlier for me. I think I was I was about 10 when I first that thought kind of came to me. Of be a priest, uh, throughout high school, though, I complete, I did my best to actually push it out of my mind. Cause I, you know, I wanted to have a family, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it, it wasn't necessarily one moment. It was, uh, but it was definitely like you said, um, it was, it was in the air we breathe as a family, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was just, uh, being Catholic was important to us. Prayer was important. Going to Mass was important. Being involved in the parish, a lot of the things you said were were important, and so it was, it was. Yeah, it was almost by assimilation that a lot of that happened. So.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I got to think that's the way it it used to be. That was the norm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mm-hmm. an altar boy, and just just being there and being part of the environment and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I just think that that's how a lot of the men ended up ended up in the seminary back in the day when when it was more yeah. uh, more
0: full of of, uh, of candidates. It's really interesting because I was the totally different route. I mean, I never went to Catholic school. Religious ed, my whole life. I mean, we were faithful to go to mass every week, but I wouldn't say it wasn't you know a staple in our life that we were you know making pies for the funeral after mass and mm-hmm. men's group or anything like that uh, later in my parents life they started to you know come back to the church in a in a greater way or believed a little bit better but for me i just i i mean in high school i just wanted to have fun so even thinking about the pre I, that wasn't even in the radar anywhere that wasn't even that was a different planet <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> anything mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had something, you know, I had a lot of more, you know, lightning bolts hit me in in so many different ways because I needed a bigger push. But I think someone who's, you know, a regular Catholic who's really living their faith and they're really connected to the church and their faith life that um, maybe you won't receive uh, such a great sign. I mean, we know that Bishop Battersby had to have God talk to him and uh, Father Ricardo had to have God talk to him as well. Um, um, But, you know, it doesn't necessarily always happen. And on top of that, too, just um, to think that, you know, God's calling each of us at the time in our life that we can receive it. And, you know, an 18-year-old right. is not going to have the same certitude as a 32-year-old coming to the seminary. And we as, you know, a church and the seminary are, are going to look at that differently. You know, man should be a little bit more established and, and know his life and know what God is asking him. If he's, you know, 35 years old compared to sure. an 18 year old who's thinks, yeah, maybe God's calling me. And, and yeah, we're, none of us are worthy. So yeah. What's, what's your point <laughs> let's, let's, if God's calling you, let's try this out. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know where yeah. I was going with that. I just, you know, yeah, that's a, no that's a
1: good I, I think some of it just has the, the yeah. dynamics involved as some of it is, it does have to do with age, that when you're older, you, you obviously uh, have a, a more mature um, outlook on life and understanding of life, and so you look for more, more credibility, if you will, or or more evidence. Whereas when you're younger, you tend to be a little more naive, a little more a little more open because you, you don't know what you don't know, and. Um, I think that's what what helps bring men into the seminary a little younger without the, the 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 big the big uh sign that maybe some of the other guys who who are older when they enter. And the, the beauty in that is you you alluded to it is that uh the call is not just for young people. It's not just at certain times in your life that you know you, you're mm-hmm. going to receive it when you receive it when it's time to receive it if that's what God wants you to do with with uh, your life in this world. Yeah. And uh, I, I love seeing that it's it's men who are 18, 19, 20, and men who are 50 and 60, who and everywhere in between,
0: because they all bring something with them. They all bring skills and life experiences with them. Yeah. I mean, you have to also to have a little mm-hmm. bit more certitude if you got like a really good paying job, you have a house, mm-hmm. you have, you know, responsibilities. And now you're saying like, Lord, I'm going to give you a year of my life, but what's that going to look like with my career and my home and all these other things mm-hmm. where someone coming right into high school, it's like, yeah, I can give a year because I didn't even know what I was going <laughs> to yeah. sit around for a year, if anything, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and I can
1: say too, that when I entered at 18, one thing I was certain about was that I was in the right place. Yes. I wasn't certain that I was definitely going to be a priest yet, but mm-hmm. and that's what I used to tell men all the time, who I would either talk to uh, through through conversation or, or appointments, and definitely on the, uh, the the programs that we would run through the vocation office, is that uh, the seminary is where you go to discern. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a discernment house, yeah. and you don't have to have one hundred percent certainty that you're going to be a priest. That that's the mutual discernment that you and the seminary faculty are now going to do together because that's why the seminary faculty and the priest are there is to educate and form uh, you and to see help you in your discernment to bring clarity to your discernment as to what it is uh, God has put you on this earth to do. And for some that's going to lead to priesthood and for others it's not, but either way, it's a positive thing because now you've you've received more clarity about your call for one and two uh, anyone who goes through the seminary uh, leaves a better person you you know more about yourself that's true intellectually you know more about yourself spiritually personally you know more about the church and how it pastors to people if you're going with the open and transparent heart you're going to leave a better man than you entered and how do you go wrong in that regard? I mean that yeah. was one my, 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 my kind of grand slam line I'd always give to the men like before they'd leave the discernment weekends is just to remind them of that that uh, if you can and you're able and everyone under, uh, agrees that this is where you should be, you know through the whole uh, application process, you're not going to lose other than maybe some, some years uh, by being in the seminary and discerning your call uh, from God.
0: And on top of that, you alluded to it earlier. I mean, it's an accredited college, so you are getting college credits to, Mm -hmm. you know, if you were to leave, you got college credits wherever you're going to go next, if college was the place to be. And on top of that, I've talked to a a number of guys lately This. They're worried about finances and how to pay for all of these different things. If you if you have a degree mm-hmm. and you're coming to the seminary, the, the archdiocese will actually pick up the cost of what it would be to go through the seminary. But if, let's say, you know, you're coming right out of school, you do have to pay for the college side. But on top of that, I mean, not only do we have, you know, it's an accredited college, so you can get government loans. Uh, but there's also uh, the Fisherman Fund that uh, helps give grants to guys. Um, and on top of that, not only your parish, but the Knights of Columbus are very generous as well, that there's a lot of help. And uh, it's not like, you you know, before you enter, you have to pay all the money up front or something like that. So money should not be a problem. And even with guys who, let's say, have gone to college and they want to come to the seminary, but they've got some significant debt, there are different programs out there uh, laborious Society is one of them that helps guys uh, pay down their college debt uh, mm-hmm. so that they can enter the seminary if God is calling them to that. So never let finances be a, a deterrent of, oh, I don't really think I can do this. I mean, we want to be responsible for the money that we owe and everything like that, but it shouldn't be an obstacle. Uh, we will help you out with all of that stuff. So, But
2: I think that can be, I know that was a big concern, uh, probably actually more for my parents than me. Uh, entering seminary just you know being one of eight like father tim uh we always knew you know you, you can't expect your parents to pay for college for you you know and um and it actually ended up i could have i could have gone to some other colleges that i'd applied to uh and paid less than i did at seminary um but like you said it didn't end up being an issue there were plenty of plenty of help along the way from Fisherman's Fund. even the knights of columbus were incredibly generous you know yeah. um and so yeah, yeah, I think uh, it can be it can be a little nerve wracking entering and seeing just uh, the amount that is on the website for how much it costs to go to seminary for a year. Uh, but uh, but there's a lot of help out there.
0: It's not the same number that you see online. Of what no, you, oh. <laughs> That's true. it's a it's lot a different. Scary. Yeah. 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 So Father Bernie, um, you know, I remember when you were vocation director, you came out uh, to our parish when I was a transitional deacon, and I, I could still remember your homily, and you had this great little way of remembering what we need to be doing and you said to remember to take your pills you want to explain what taking our Vocations, pills was all well, you about. used to tease me about the vocation pill now you're I, like, I like i like it because i still vocation. remember it
1: it's a good <laughs> well, that's why i came up with it you know every once in a while i come up with something that makes sense but yeah i mean uh what one of the blessings uh, and also challenges of being a vocation director as i always say i was a traveling salesman for the priesthood you'd go around to all the parishes because you don't have a an, a set assignment at any one parish, yeah. which I, I really enjoyed doing. I kind of felt like a like a, a missionary of sorts. I like it too. Yeah, I like it, I, too. it was it was fun. And uh, so I was trying to come up with ways that I could let the message resonate uh, with people long after my visit, because just one homily on one weekend isn't necessarily going to knock it out of the park when it comes to helping to uh, encourage men, but obviously the holy spirit's always at work i'm not saying that it can't happen but typically so i devised this um little acronym to remember called the vocation pill and the p standard for pray uh stood for pray um i would preach about the weekends uh, readings and then i would integrate this in just to be clear mm-hmm. i wouldn't just yeah. replicate the same homily every i time. do i do the same thing too yeah <laughs> but I could do this one in my sleep. I knew that one's <laughs> the one. they have six years. The second and I still do. <laughs> But P was for pray, and how important that foundation is to pray for vocations, and and that's at the heart of everything. Both both people um, trying to help uh, bring about more vocations to the priesthood, uh, and also an individual trying to discern what his vocation, what her, him, or hers vocation may be. And then the second one uh, was I, and that was invite and how important it was to invite uh, young men and women to ask a simple question. Not what do I want to do, but what does God want me to do? Mm -hmm. And I said, this is the key to vocational discernment, because we all have a vocation. It's not just those who want to be a priest or a religious woman or man. Everyone has a vocation. Everyone's primary vocation is to holiness, and in that holiness, there's a certain path we take for most it's marriage and then obviously uh, religious vocations are in there as well so inviting and all the statistics and i'm sure you you've seen these father craig Mm -hmm. in uh, a lot of the material that's produced for vocation directors that uh, those who are in the seminary will talk about the power of the invitation that a a teacher a parent uh, but most especially clergy yeah. They were always the highest, if I remember correctly, seventy-five percent. Yep, seventy-five percent. So I always that was always my mantra to our priests that you are all deputized as vocation directors. And uh, one of the one of the most challenging things about doing vocations of the diocese is that you all think it's my job as the vocation director, but it's actually all of our job. My job is to coordinate the efforts and to cheerlead the efforts and to organize the efforts, but it's all of our job. So inviting is so key. So think of that young man, young woman that you know is uh, involved in their faith, uh, involved in youth ministry, an altar server, um, uh, all these different ways, goes on mission trips, attended a World Youth Day. These are all clear indications and signs that there might be a vocation to religious life there, priesthood. Are they at daily Mm -hmm. mass? Daily mass, (laughs) exactly, you know, a, a regular prayer life for someone at a young age is, is, is always something very telling as well. So that was P-I, and then L was love your priests. And um, this one actually always got the most attention and the most comments after Mass. Uh, almost every place I would go, I would hear uh, people uh, pull me aside or make a comment after Mass in regards to that first L. And um, one, of the, one of the benefits of being a guest priest is that you go into a parish, and I always say it's like being a grandparent. I get to enjoy, mm-hmm. but I don't have to raise. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of us pastors and people involved in parish ministry, Father Craig, you were a pastor for a long time, you know that it can be difficult and challenging at times. Uh, I'll sometimes say a pastor is as well-liked as his last decision is received. And mm-hmm. if you make a decision that's tough you sometimes upset some people. Certainly not your intention, but it just that's happens. That's what it's be to be a father, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and so some people will will maybe go down a road that um, tends to drag their priest through the mud at times. And And what I'd always say is, I'm not asking you to love your priest because he deserves it. I'm not asking you to love your priest just because he's a priest. I'm asking you to love your priest because that's what Christians do. We love one another. It's all over the Bible. If you want me to find the the, the particular (laughs) passages for you, and I'll show them to you. But So my point was just to say, folks, let's just love each other. And you have a man here, and if he was there, I'd point to him. If he wasn't, I would um, just speak of him. He's devoted his entire life to to serving you. He's imperfect. He's weak. He's a sinner. But all he wants to do is, is serve you. And if you love him in return for that service he renders to you, he will return that back to you tenfold because you are what gives life to his ministry and his vocation. Yeah. As a spouse loves a spouse, and that's what energizes that, that, that sacramental life that they share, mm. the love of the people that you're serving, despite your weaknesses and sinfulness, man, you're, you're going to have a priest who's walking on, on air right? Yeah. Walking on clouds. So, and then happy priests are what encourage vocation. Exactly. Generally. And then that was the other part. And you're just going to make him a happier priest and, and it all flows. And then the yeah. last L was live your faith. And I would often speak about my parents and how they live their faith. And what an example that that provided for us. Um, I'd always joke and say, I grew up in a big family and that I had to sleep in a room with five other kids and the top uh, drawer of the dresser and uh, and uh you know I'd say my sister was spoiled because she had her own room and those with no shoes exactly right uh, but I I'd, I'd always say but the one thing I knew is who I was because my mom and dad lived their faith hmm. they took seriously the promise they made when the priest or deacon said before we were baptized you promised to raise your child in the practice of the faith which is the the question that's asked right before water's poured over the head of a child for baptism And I said, they did. And so uh, they were the first vocation directors for me. It wasn't a man with a collar around his neck or a miter on his head. It was my mom and dad living out their vocation. And because they lived out their vocation as a husband and wife, as a mother and father, I was given the opportunity to be able to discern as a young man what God's calling me to do for my vocation. And that all happened just because two, two people loved each other and lived out their vocation the way it was intended. And so that was the vocation pill. So pray, invite, love, and live. I like it. You got a new homily now, Father Christ. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we're coming up almost to an hour here. Just want to uh, maybe just pick your brain a little bit. I mean, what would you, since now you are at a school and, and you see high school students uh, almost every day, and, you know, what would you tell a high school student if they're discerning a vocation? Like, what would be good for them to do? Like, what is a good... Because you know how busy their lives are, I mean, you see it now being at the school. Like, what would you, what would you encourage them to do?
1: Well, first, I would uh, ask them about their prayer life, their spiritual life, because that has to be the foundation of our vocation for everybody, but especially a man who is thinking of being a priest. So there would be some conversation in that regard, and uh, if if they feel like they were. Uh, doing pretty good in that area. I'd, I'd encourage them and maybe add some some uh, advice as to how to improve it. If they're just starting out, kind of novices in that regard, I'd give them some hints and helps as to how to begin uh, forming a, a, a personal prayer life with God beyond just the, the liturgical life of the church. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the easy part. You know, we we go, we sit, and we pray and obey, and we walk out the door. That's easy. The hard part is when we walk out that door go back into our lives. And then I would encourage them to get involved, uh, involved in their parish. That's so valuable. Somebody who's thinking about being a priest, and I'd say, well, are you are you uh, lecturing at your parish? Are you a Eucharistic minister? Are you teaching catechism? Are you on any kind of committees, uh, volunteering in any groups? Uh, maybe there is a prayer group that your, your parish has, are you part, part of that? And so just to get them start to, to plug in to, to the life of uh, their parish, because that's going to be their life as a priest. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be doing all those things and working with all the, the people who are doing those kinds of ministries. And uh, it's a clear sign that if you do that and you say, wow, I can't wait till my next time to read at Mass or I can't wait till the next time I I'm able to distribute communion or I look forward to going to that nursing home and doing my my service and then and then distributing the, the eucharist those are clear indications and signs that God is doing something in your heart it might not necessarily mean priesthood but it certainly is pointing towards a possible call to priesthood because that's that's a lot of what a priest does mm-hmm. so and then just uh, learning more about the priesthood um read some lives of the Saints, uh, read some um, um, books that uh, are kind of helpful for a young man or regardless of the age. Um, You know, some are are better for uh, someone younger and some are are more advanced and maybe, uh, you know, like St. Augustine. I love love, uh, St. Augustine. I don't know if I'd give that to an 18-year-old right off the bat, Um, but uh, certainly maybe a man who's advanced in age might benefit greatly from reading some of St. Augustine's books. Uh, so uh, just learning, just like anything, uh, the more you know about something, the better able you are to discern it. And so you mm-hmm. need that knowledge of of the priesthood beyond just what you see happening uh, on the altar
0: or in a classroom. So they're, they're privileged conversations, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. For anybody, whether it be in high school or older, what would you tell them not to do? Well,
1: I would tell them not to tell people, I'm going to be a priest. Uh, mm-hmm. sometimes that happens where, um, uh, a kid is in school and everyone's oh, he's going to be a priest. He's going to be a priest. Uh, I find that the opposite usually happens when that occurs yeah. and, uh, you've got yourself in the seminary before you've even spent any time there. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking a lot about seminary and priesthood, I'm not saying you don't share it and, and that you keep it quiet and hidden, but I wouldn't, wouldn't spend your high school years or early college years telling everybody that you're you're going to be a priest Um, until you've you've gone through the experience of meeting with you as the vocation director talking to your priest or if you have a spiritual director spending some time on the programs that the vocation office provides uh, through the seminary or through the office Uh, because that way you're 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 stating something, not just an aspiration or something you want one day, but rather something that you've spent some time living with and getting to know better. And the likelihood of you actually taking that next big step is is a lot more probable. So uh,
0: the old don't put the cart before the horse, uh, I guess, is the easiest way to yeah. say it. Yeah. So- Let's say some guy is 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 really listening very intently, and he said, "Lord, I, I really some want guys, to hear." Some guys, everyone's listening to this podcast. Everyone's <laughs> listening. There's a know. there's Sellers a man right now who has yeah. a vocation to the priesthood, and he's like, "I need to hear something, and I've been waiting to hear that." So, whatever's on your heart right now, Father Tim, to tell that man what he needs to hear at this point. Do not be afraid. It's old, uh, uh, it's not old, but
1: it's 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 not unique, it's not new, it's uh, the most quoted phrase in the Scripture. Uh, my uh, uh, hero uh, and inspiration as a young teenager was John Paul II. He was uh, such a youthful and vigorous pope, and so… There's a
0: picture behind your head right now with you shaking his hand. go, <laughs> oh, yes, right, right, shaking his hand, yeah, thank you, I forgot it was up there. Uh, Does that mean uh, you're a relic? I'm a, a third relic once
1: removed. Okay. Yeah, that's what I tell everybody. Yeah. I haven't washed my hands in like 30, 30 years. I'm shaking his hand there. That was right after my ordination. I called it my Ordo moon. I uh, went with my, um, instead of a honeymoon, my Ordo moon. I went with my mom and dad and my youngest brother. And oh, we nice. went to uh, Ireland for a week, uh, the Holy Land, right? And then we <laughs> went to the Eternal City and we went to Rome for a week. And while there, uh, uh, Pope John Paul II used to let people uh, come up to his private chapel in the papal residence for Mass. And we were very, very fortunate and lucky to be able to do that, especially because we got the call to tell us that it was going to happen and our luggage was lost. So we didn't have Mm -hmm. any—I didn't even have clerics. uh, I didn't have my elb anything. And I'd only been a priest for two weeks— (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> And so I thought, I, I, it's not going to happen. Well, at like 2 in the morning, uh, our luggage was found, and we drove to the uh, airport to get it. And then the next morning, we had that Mass. And after Mass, you, you stand in the line, and he comes out and would shake your hand and, and hand you a rosary. So that's what that mm. picture is uh, depicting there. That's, that's awesome. awesome. But that's, uh, that's do not awesome. be afraid. I mean, he said it so often, and, and again, it's it's echoed all throughout Scripture. But I think that is so much at the heart. I don't know about you, Father Craig, but so many men I would meet with uh, in the vocation office, and there'd always be something holding them back. You mentioned mm-hmm. money, that's, that's a real issue. It's, you know you can't just gloss over, that's a, mm-hmm. it's a rightly real issue. But we can work through that, right? There's a way to get through that. Or uh, I'm, I'm not sure how my parents will react. Or I always thought that I would be better at doing this. Um, or you know, I'm a talented guy in the baseball diamond, and I don't want to give that up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure. And I that never was get the... up in
2: front of someone and speak. You know, yeah,
1: was... exactly. Or I'm not smart enough to get through the philosophy classes, and uh, you know, not that I ever struggle with philosophy. Or <laughs> kind of you know, all A student, anybody will tell you. But I just that was always the phrase that came first to my mind was just put set your set your fear aside. And I always mm-hmm. said, Do you think God plays games with people? Do do, do you think he would put this on your heart and then say, hey, I'm going to mess with this guy. I'm going to lead him (laughs) down this path, and then I'm going to pull the carpet out from under him. Say, ha, gotcha. It's not Mm. how God works, right? Mm. So if you're feeling this call and it's being affirmed by by people who the shepherd of this diocese, our archbishop, has appointed to help you in your discernment, Mm. then trust it. And Mm. don't be afraid and see where it leads. Might not lead to the priesthood, might yeah. not even lead to you entering the seminary, but it might. And so the only way to get through that is to set aside the fear and, and not worry about what others are going to think, what you thought you were going to do your whole life, and now this is causing it to be called uh, put into question. But be fearless in in your openness to what it is God might be putting on your heart.
0: Yeah, that's great. great. That's awesome. It kind of feels like when I talk to different uh, guys of, of, I think there's a real fear there. And then that leads to inaction, because I'm afraid to make a mistake. And God can even work with our mistakes, right? You can do something horribly wrong, and then God can make that even into something more beautiful than you could have ever imagined, right? So like, he created us in goodness and, and holiness, and we messed up. And then God gave us something better, a Savior. We sing that at the Easter Vigil. God gave us so great a Savior as Jesus Christ. So if, if God could do that to save humanity, he can certainly do that with our vocation as well. So I love that. Don't be For afraid. Sure. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. Well, Father Bernie, it's been wonderful talking to you. I, I don't want to cut you off, though. Do you have anything else that you would w- want to say? Uh, just wondering what's for dinner tonight. <laughs> all right. All
1: right. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed being with you. Uh, I loved being the vocation director. Uh, if I wasn't asked to do another assignment, I'd, I'd be happy to still be, be doing it. Yeah. Um. And, and the reason I always tell people is I said, I get to go around and tell everybody what I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. Right. I fell in love with the priesthood. Uh, what could be a better job than that, than to yeah, go around and, and explain to people, why you have been put on this earth and what what the purpose of your life is all about mm-hmm. so i i loved it and i love talking to people who are thinking about the priesthood and and so i really enjoyed being able to revisit that in a more focused way with with uh our most excellent co-host uh david father david and and father craig yeah.
0: it's good awesome. good to be with you, yeah. father the craig. ice, the, yeah. ice man. <laughs> the ice man <laughs> Well, Father Bernie, would you uh, like to lead us out in prayer then? Sure.
1: Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we're always grateful for the many ways in which you work within our lives. We ask that you continue to uh, shine through our lives, to to help us be fearless when it comes to serving you and to listening to you. And as we uh, listen, uh, may we respond with open hearts and open minds to serve your church, to unleash your gospel, and to help bring your son into the hearts of all those uh, who will listen. And so give us the grace of of courage so that we may do the vocation and uh, live the vocation
0: that you have placed in each of our hearts. And we ask all these things through Christ, our Lord.
1: Amen. 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 Our
0: son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Father Tim Burney. Really right. enjoyed having you on. Thank you, Father David. Good to be with you. Thank you, guys. You have been listening to Men of the Heart, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra. And me, Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast, and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Don't forget to take your vocation pill.